the C.D. Howe Institute, Essential Policy Intelligence. Welcome to The Common Room, a C.D. Howe Institute podcast that asks the right questions and provides the answers. I'm Kyle Murphy. The Bank of Canada needs to prepare now for the next financial crisis. That recommendation comes from Dr. Jeremy Cronick, Senior Policy Analyst here at the Institute. In his most recent report, he urges the bank to establish new permanent emergency liquidity pools that would be instantly available to financial institutions in times of crisis. To help us understand the importance of this issue, I'm joined now by the author, Jeremy Cronick. Jeremy, welcome. Thanks, Kyle. Jeremy, to start, what is a permanent emergency liquidity pool and why do we need them? Sure. So so one of the big takeaways from the financial crisis was the importance of uh, liquidity, of the market not seizing up. And so the Bank of Canada does this form of, of lending during crisis times, but it's usually restricted to either overnight loans or to bilateral loans, so loans between two institutions. And one of the key things I'm arguing for in this paper is that the types of loans they introduced during the crisis, which were market-wide loans but also longer-term loans, uh, should be part of the, the permanent makeup of the Bank of Canada's balance sheet and not just something that they introduce uh, during the crisis. And the goal really for these uh, facilities will be to provide that type of liquidity uh, not only during crisis times but so that we improve their design during normal times and that should aid us in our ability to deal with the crisis. Now, you say in your report that the need for the Bank of Canada to step in with these new liquidity pools is partially partially driven by the following fact. During a future crisis, large institutions will likely have fewer funding options available to them within the private sector than they did prior to the 2008-09 crisis. So the obvious question is, where did all the funding go? Sure. So during uh, the sort of reaction to the crisis was... Uh, the introduction, the introduction, excuse me, of increased uh, regulation for financial institutions, and so it's we call this. This is the Basel III, uh, and in this Basel III, part of the regulation that was introduced for domestic uh, financial institutions, but at an international level, was the need for what we call high-quality liquidity assets. But the problem with these types of high-quality liquidity assets is it reduces the type of assets that financial institutions can have on their balance sheets as a way of checking whether or not they are prepared for crisis periods. And so the amount of liquidity that just exists in the market for these financial institutions to get, not only during crisis times, but also during normal times, is much smaller than it was uh, pre-crisis. And so that's you know, a little bit more of an impetus to have these types of mechanisms at the Bank of Canada to provide this liquidity for the market. Now, the common criticism of such a policy and I'll note that you directly respond to it in your report, is that by setting up these permanent emergency funding pools, large financial institutions will be more likely to engage in risky behavior with the knowledge that, should they stumble, the Bank of Canada will be waiting to catch them. But you say the benefits of this policy outweigh this potential, quote, moral hazard. Could you elaborate? Sure. So, I mean, you talked about the moral hazard itself, so I think I can focus a little bit more on on what the benefits uh, are of having these facilities in place that outweigh sort of those moral hazard concerns. And, I mean, the first thing really is is those liquidity concerns that I talked about before in terms of the, the high-quality liquidity assets. With the market being much smaller than it was before, uh, the, the need for the Bank of Canada to, uh, to have these types of facilities uh, are, are important to ensure that the market keeps going uh, during crisis times. The other has to do with the with 
the fact that the regulation, the Basel III regulation, has essentially stamped out most of the behavior that was taken uh, that led to the financial crisis in the first place. So it's unlikely we're going to see a repeat of that type of behavior. Um, and in addition, you can you can set these facilities up such that you charge a fee, let's say, for the use of them. So it's not it's not free lending per se. You're actually charging uh, sort of a financial amount to these institutions to force them to pay for the use of these types of emergency liquidity mechanisms, and that matters. And also, if they're available during normal times, you remove the stigma. I mean, one of the concerns with these facilities is that, that if you don't make them uh, available uh, during normal times as well, then financial institutions actually won't access them during crisis times for fear of being perceived as an institution that's potentially going to go under. And then the last point really has to do with we don't know what the next financial crisis is going to look like. And so it's important that we, you know, it could be something like a cybersecurity where, you know, if, if you if that attack happens overnight and then the next day liquidity, you know, there's a run on the banks and there's capital and liquidity uh, concerns, those facilities need to be in place and they need to be well designed uh, immediately, not sort of see how it goes and figure it out from there. Jeremy, could you take our audience through the actual design of these new permanent liquidity features you hope the bank will adopt and how it will be auctioned to market? Sure. So, the design of these facilities uh, can be very similar to the way they were designed uh, during the crisis. So we had term repos and term loans, and they were they were they were elongated, longer term, market wide loans. So from the design standpoint, we can do a very similar thing to what the Bank of Canada did. The key really is to provide those types of long term nature, uh, allow for the exchange of illiquid assets for more liquid access. And, and make it available to a large group of people. And that's similar from the auction design perspective, which is also another important point, is how these, um, these mechanisms are actually sold to the market. How does the market bid on them? So in this paper, I argue that what you need is to have it be unlimited bidding. Anyone can bid on it, essentially. Uh, have it set such that there's no minimum set above the benchmark overnight rate. And the goal really is to produce an equilibrium that provides the optimal distribution of liquidity to those that need it at a price that's appropriate. Jeremy, one last question. Some may wonder why the bank should be expected to act as the lender of last resort during a time of crisis. Don't companies that run into liquidity problems deserve to reap the consequences of their poor decisions? Why bail them out? Yeah, so I think a couple things to that point. Of course, that institutions that take on risky behavior, that there does deserve to be uh, you know, a, a, a negative consequence for them. But I'll say a couple things. This isn't a typical bailout. I mean, the way this is going to work is it's going to be a loan. I mean, the Bank of Canada engages in these types of lending uh, in normal times as well. If, it, if you're paying interest on a loan, that is in part part of your, uh, you know, the, the penalty, let's say, for being in the situation that you're in. So that's one side, and that this isn't a sort of a, a bailout per se, the way I see it. In addition, you know, not all financial crises are due to poor behavior. So, for example, I mentioned earlier the cybersecurity attack. If our next crisis is a cybersecurity act attack, which could occur despite having the best defenses available at financial institutions, I would argue at that point that you would want to see the Bank of Canada get involved to provide this type of funding. And it's this type of long-term funding that keeps markets going because when the market crashes the way it did during the financial crisis, it's not the bank's 
and their employees and the CEOs that necessarily pay the consequences. It's going to be the people on the street. And so I think to think of it in terms of lending and stimulating the market as opposed to a bailout is important. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. You can find Jeremy's comprehensive analysis at www.cdhow.org. And as always, you can find cutting-edge analysis on a wide variety of public policy issues on the Institute's website. And that's all for The Common Room. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Kyle Murphy. Thanks for listening. The C.D. Howe Institute. Essential Policy Intelligence.